Our leader for tonight is Irene. the room so filled and I thought there would be a sprinkling of you know hardcore people here but we have a whole bunch of hardcore people if you come out tonight in freezing weather you know I mean it's not Michigan or Minnesota but for us this is cold and wet so um, I'm going to kind of fast forward I was um, from the age of five I was overweight and then um, never seeing a normal weight until I came into OA. And, um, you know, it was, my whole life was wrecked by this problem. The biggest problem in my life was this. You know, my mother died when I was 10 years old, but that wasn't my biggest problem. My biggest problem was I thought about how big I was um, I cooked, I had an older sister who was um, four years older than me, but I liked to cook. I was 10, and so I would do the cooking after my mother died. And, you know, it just made sense because I ate and I cooked. And um, so, you know, through high school and marriage, and uh, I met my husband. I was at my thinnest, which is about, uh, probably about 20 pounds more than I am now. And um, I started gaining weight after we had gotten serious and we knew that we were going to be getting married. And this was 1962, three, no, two. Yeah, 1962. And... um, and then he saw that I was gaining weight. He's not, he's a normal eater. And he saw that I was gaining weight, and he said, um, oh, you know, he saw I was concerned. And he said, don't, you know, don't worry about it. I'll love you no matter what. And I really put him through the test. I really, I mean, I loved hearing it. It was like, oh, a relief. Like, I don't have to worry about it anymore. And uh, it was like what I took as real love. This is it. And um, so I gained hmm, probably 90 pounds. And um, he didn't take it that well. You know, anything that happened in the house, any kind of arguments, inevitably turned to the fact that I was as fat as I was. He, had, he was at his wit's end. I mean, he did love me, I knew that. But he, his, he was throwing his hands up in the air trying to do something. I would even ask for his help, which was the worst thing I could ever do, because he became my, a policeman with my food. And it was a disaster, and, and it was really horrible. And I've told him, since I've been in OA, that uh, don't ever do that. Leave me. Don't ever do that, because that was... Um, I felt it kind of perpetuated, because I took any, any excuse 
and any any resentment towards somebody that was like good fodder for eating that was like real good and if he and since he wanted me to be thin it seemed like more than anything more than me um well no i wanted to be thin but i just couldn't do it and he um when we would have fights this was like i'm not doing it for him you know that was like the greatest that was like the greatest excuse that got me going every time and you know the excuses are the excuses are never ending in my head i'm not really good at making up lies i'm not really good at that but when it comes to eating i've got i mean they're just Bing, bing. They just shoot in my mind. Nobody else thinks they're good excuses. I do. But, um, you know, everybody else knows this is crazy. So, um, I came into OA. My back had gone out. Um, the doctor was a skinny little thing in Kaiser who told me if you don't get, I was 32. She, she said, if you don't get this weight off your body, you're going to be in a wheelchair by the time you're 50. And I wanted to say to her, put me in um, a straitjacket, put me in the hospital with a straitjacket, um, tie my jaw up. I can't, I, I don't have control. But I, I was embarrassed that that was the truth. And, um, she, and I felt like I was gonna cry and I was embarrassed about that, so I didn't wanna say anything. And I left, and an aunt of mine had been visiting my sister. So I went straight from there to my sister's house to see my aunt. And she had lost a lot of weight that year in OA. And she said, let's find a meeting. And we did, and I was very reluctant to go because I had been a Weight Watcher dropout, and meetings were like, bleh. And I just thought, I have to do something. What am I going to do? And so we went to the meeting. It was in a church. And uh, I heard them talk about God. And, and I'm an atheist. And uh, it was so distasteful. And it was like repugnant to me to, to be in a place where they were talking God stuff. And so I said to my aunt, what is all this God shit? <laughs> and so she said to me, Take what you need and leave the rest. That was the first time I had ever heard that. And it was the first time in my life I didn't say, I'm waiting for you in the car, or I don't like this crap, or, you know, I was, I was the first time in my life I thought, okay, I'll leave that here. And so I left God at the meeting. However, I listened, and I listened to how it works. Um, they read that at the meeting, and that was really, really good, because it talked about honesty and um, and being honest with myself, which I pretended that I could control my eating when people would say, Irene, why don't you do this, and why don't you do that? And of course, I resented them, and I would say, you know, if I wanted to stop, I could. You know, I would pretend or deny or think that they could believe that what I was saying was really true. And um, that was, you know, what I would do. I wouldn't say I've been trying every day to get on a diet. Actually, it was for two years. 
and I couldn't do it. Every day I failed. I may go through the whole day, and then at night, I used to watch Johnny Carson. My daughter was young. I was a stay-at-home mom. And um, I would, you know, be in the kitchen uh, eating peanut butter while the spaghetti was cooking. I mean, eating it out of the jar. Peanut butter's not a meal. It's uh, something you take while something else is cooking. <laughs> and, um, and that's how I ate, you know. When I was in the morning, I used to like a regular breakfast, but I would open the freezer, take out the ice cream, and eat it while I was looking for what to eat. What do I want to eat while I'm eating ice cream? But that wasn't eating. That was not counting. And that's the way I lived. That, that's, it was... It was a disaster. It was really a disaster. And it caused a lot of um, tension in my marriage. Um, my daughter came home one day from school. My daughter was, I think, seven going on eight when I came into OA. And uh, she's 55 now. And she said to me, Mom, Mom, so-and-so's mother came into school today and she's actually fatter than you, you know? I never knew that my daughter had that on her mind, you know, what I looked like, you know? And it was, I felt so sad for her. I didn't, I was, I had this shield, you know? I, I wasn't hurt so much by it, because of course she was embarrassed. So when I was sitting at that meeting and I heard how it works, I heard, um, if you, what is it, if you want what we have and are willing to go to any lengths <coughs> to get it. I never did anything for any lengths. No. When, it got, when anything got too hard, I dropped it. Eh, it's too hard, forget it. You know, I really, that's, well, by nature, that's how I am. Um, OA has given me a different way of living, which has helped a lot. So, Going to any length was something I never thought about because I was sitting there at the meeting and I, I thought about times in my life that I've had pain and not eating. Oh, they also talked about, major point here, carbohydrate addiction. And I sat at the meeting knowing that I was addicted to carbs because it had crossed my mind six months before. But I thought I was making up another excuse. Eh, not really, could that be? And when they talked about it at the meeting, I was like, wow, that's what it is. Because every time I took a bite, that bite, that one bite, um, opened up my desire like, that I, that I, then I had no, I, then I was a total slave. I had to have the rest. I had to have the rest, and I had to have more. So, <coughs> they also talked about I only have to be clean for the next 24 hours. You know, this, this stuff here is the fundamental part of my program. I've been abstinent for 46 years. I've been maintaining 100-pound weight loss. It took me five and a half years to lose 100 pounds. 
Um, I started eating a lot, but I didn't eat carbs, and gradually got on gray sheet, which is the, my savior. You know, that combined with the knowledge that I'm addicted, and that that's the stuff that was doing it to me. And that's the stuff that was making me feel like <coughs> it had me in its clutches, I had to have it. It didn't matter what the consequences were. I knew what the consequences were. It didn't matter. I had to have it. I'll deal with the consequences later, which, you know, I never dealt with them right. I couldn't. I had no, I had no, I had no way of doing it. I didn't know that I had to keep clean. Keeping clean was the, was the whole thing. And going through the pain of the withdrawal was a decision to suffer. I made a decision to suffer to get better. I wanted to see if what they were telling me that I will eventually lose the desire for those foods. And I wanted out. I wanted it to end. I was never hungry. I was never hungry. I just ate. And, and once I took the first bite of those things, it was like, Salad was off, off the agenda, and so was vegetables. They, was, they didn't live. They died in my refrigerator. But all the other stuff was gone. So, uh, you know, to hear that all I had to do was be clean for the next 24 hours was a whole new concept. And I took that literally. I took, let me see if I could do this for 24 hours. And I came in on a Tuesday. I was going to start this Wednesday. And I said to myself, if you hate this, Thursday you're going to have a hot fudge Sunday, which I loved. So, okay, I have never had the hot fudge Sunday. I'm happy to say. <laughs> so I, so the first day was Wednesday. I got up and I thought, okay, how am I going to do this? And I managed to have protein and and fruit in the morning. That was it. And coffee. I always love coffee. So, and that's what I still have. And um, it was, wow, this, I can do this, you know. I, I had never gone through breakfast without a bagel or an English muffin or some kind of bread product. Never. That was the first time in my life. And I got excited, like, this looks like it's possible. I didn't measure my food because I wasn't capable of doing it. I would eat things in between meals. Like I, I said to myself, I can, I'll eat up to five fruits a day because when I was in Weight Watchers, <laughs> women had three fruits and men had five fruits and I really wanted five. <laughs> and I probably ate five anyway and I felt, you know, oh, I crapped up today. So I made myself five fruits. Just no carbs, that's all. Let's see if we could do this with no carbs. Not measuring, but part, I guess part of my measuring, my measurements, 10 minutes? 10 minutes. Part of my measurements were no um, seconds. So I would take a big hefty thing of food, that was it. And, um, and started out that way, and then for five months I was losing weight, and it was slowly. And I weighed myself every day. I tried at one time to do it like the gray sheet said, once a month. And then I did that, and I got on the scale, and I only lost four pounds, which by today's standards would be extraordinary for me. And when I got on the scale and it was only four pounds, I said, in a month, I only lost four pounds? All of a sudden, I, 
it took me off a day at a time. And a day at a time is like the, it's like the fundamental of the program. It's like, I live today. And I'm not living for the next month. I'm living for today. And it took me off a day at a time program. And I realized that and I said, no, I'm doing, I'm weighing every day. And I've, since that time, I weigh myself every single day. And even if I go out to eat and it's a big meal, it's like, ugh, I don't want to look down, you know. And I do, and sometimes it goes up a couple of pounds, and I go, oh, shit. All right, it's a meter. It's going to help. And it helps. It helps me. It just keeps me on my track. It just does. And um, I eventually, um, I read in the big book where I had to, uh, there comes a point where the higher power, I was using the group as a higher power because I didn't, the God thing was, I didn't care for. And then it said, at some point we must develop a relationship with a higher power. So I talked to a nun that was in the program and an ex-priest. I'm Jewish. And it's amazing how they helped me. The priest said, look at everything and just use, he said, act as if. My sponsor used to say to me, act as if. Act as if you believe. Act as if, you know, God's in your life. Just act that way. You don't have to believe it. So I started doing that, and the priest said, everything you put your eyes on is, ha- is happening for a reason. There's a reason, and it's good. Everything that happens in your life, every experience that's happening is, is good. And he said, and start noticing. And I do that. And I started to do that, and I started to... And it's not like I wanted to jump into this God thing. It was because I wanted my abstinence to continue. That's the only reason why I do it. I don't want this to end. I don't want to be in the land and the world. I don't want to be a slave to the food. I don't want to be humiliated. And everybody knows my problem. I don't want that. I want to have more control of my life. I want to live in today and do today rather than put it off and put it off and then worry. Why didn't I do it? Why didn't I do this before? Why did I... And be so remorseful about my whole life. I didn't want to live like that anymore. OA has changed that for me. I Sometimes I want to live that way, but I ask God to help me. And that is the thing. Um, from, from looking at seeing where God was there, I, I came to step three. And I started to understand that God was directing my life. I made a commitment that, you know, God has taken over. God is the director of my life. I don't believe in God. I use it because I have to. If I want this to continue, I must do it. And I want it. And in the AA book, this is one place where it said must, you know, and... That's how I feel, because it works for me. Everything that happens in my life, if I do something and it doesn't work out, I feel like it was supposed to, that was supposed to happen. I was supposed to learn from that. Um, 
the the best lessons I've had were the hardest, most in many cases humiliating. Um, the the program every day I try to see what God's will is for me. Um, Every single day, whatever I do, whether it's making a phone call, which maybe I didn't want to make, but I no longer have cravings. I have to say that. Is that the end? Five minutes. Oh, okay. The cravings for food ended within three weeks. The cravings for ice cream and chocolate and cake and danishes and and breads and rice and pastas, it ended. It, it was gone. I don't think about, I don't allow myself to think about them. They're dangerous. They're, it's almost worse than poison. I don't even know how to explain it because it doesn't matter that I felt miserable after I ate. It didn't matter that my stomach was bloated, that I actually wanted to throw up because five minutes later I was looking for it again. So it isn't like poison. It, there was, it, it's just, it, it destroys me. It just destroys me. And I can't get my head away from it. I can't stop thinking about it. I want it. If, when I take a bite, when, when, if, while I was binging, and at the end of a binge, I felt like, ooh, if I take another bite, it's going to come through my nose. I'll never eat that again. Ten minutes later, I was looking for it or running out in the car and getting another box or whatever the hell it was. So... I don't have that anymore. I haven't had that for 46 years. And for 32 years, I was like that. Well, from the age of five, so 27 years. Ooh, my math isn't that bad. So uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, it's work. It's planning. It's cutting vegetables. It's... Um, it's relief. I, I'm so happy that I don't want those foods. I don't want them. I don't allow myself to think how good they may taste. I'm afraid of it. Um, like it says in the big book, you know, you don't go near a fire. You don't put your hand in it. I don't go near this stuff. I, I could prepare it for my husband, but sometimes I think, you know, it's not a good idea. Fred, maybe you should do it. And he does because he witnessed this. He's witnessed the disease. He's witnessed the recovery. He encourages me to come to meetings. He has been, we have married 56 years now. He has been totally in on every second of it. And um, I talk on the phone for hours and he's okay with that. I ask him because some, there was a point that it was very hard and we almost split up because of it. So um, it, it's important. I have a lot of respect for him. He has a program and doesn't have to come to meetings. I do. That's okay. I don't mind it. I don't mind telling people that I eat like this because I'm a compulsive overeater and I go to Overeaters Anonymous and I used to be 100 pounds more than this and then it ends. They don't even want care anymore. They don't even care up to that point. <laughs> and um, it's okay that I'm not a normal eater. I don't care. People know it. I don't care. It's relief. It's 
Maybe it could help somebody, but that's not even why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because it's the real me. It's the real me, and it's okay. It takes a lot of courage to be the real me. It, it, there's a lot of the steps that um, deal with being the real me, accepting me as I am, knowing who I am, knowing my limitations. It takes a lot of courage in life to live this way, but it's, I wouldn't change it. I hope never to change it. It's, I've had a great life with this. Thank you. Thank you.